Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh. Record numbers of black women are winning mayoral seats in big American cities. In today's live episode, we welcome three mayors from the Chicago area who also happen to be Roosevelt alumni. Sheila Chalmers-Kern, Katrina Thompson, and Tiffany Henyard joined us in honor of Juneteenth. You'll hear about their successes and commitment to their communities through all of today's challenges. Toya K. Stewart, Vice President for Human Resources, will take it from here. Please enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Toya K. Stewart, Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Roosevelt University. I am also a proud alumna who earned my MBA from the Heller College of Business. It's a pleasure to be here to welcome you to the Black women leading their communities discussion. Joining us today is a fantastic group of Roosevelt and Robert Morris alumni who are inspiring local government leaders. Before introducing our guests, I would like to take a moment to recognize Juneteenth. This day is meaningful to me because it is a moment to reflect on how I've grown as an individual and how I can continue to use my voice to support change, help others, be part of the conversation that need to happen, boldly striving at high levels with pride for my family, community, and policy. Tomorrow is a paid university holiday in observance of Juneteenth. Our president, Ali Malekzadeh, established Juneteenth as a holiday for Roosevelt, and it will remain with us in perpetuity. Roosevelt is committed to celebrating and supporting the Black community. With that today, we come together in observance to have a dialogue with our local mayors. They will share their stories, discuss racial inequities, the involving pandemic, and how Juneteenth is recognized in their community. Now, I'd like to introduce Shay Robertson, our moderator. Shay public affairs manager for a leading global professional service firm at AI Corporation, where she leads the ecosystem strategy and employer network for the apprenticeship program. She formerly served as the chief of staff to Cook County Commissioner Bridget Gaynor, 10th District, and served as policy director and the director of community affairs and outreach, where she managed programming for the residents of Cook County. Shay was selected to work with, in the White House Office of Presidential Correspondence during the Obama administration and was an Obama Foundation peer advisor where she helped organize President Obama's first civics training for 500 young people in Chicago. Her unwavering commitment to civic and public service is also evident in her many board memberships. Shay is also the community liaison for the non-for-profit Invest in Me, dedicated to inspiring, empowering, and investing in young girls and women. Shay, it's an honor to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us, 
and to lead this important conversation. Thank you, Toya. It's a privilege to be here with Roosevelt and all of you today to lead this conversation with my peers who are also fellow alumni. I'd like to briefly introduce each of you to mayors because I know we have a great dialogue ahead of us. So we will start off with Mayor Curran. She has been elected mayor of Madison, Illinois for two consecutive terms. Sheila was also selected to be a part of Illinois Women's Institute for Leadership, where Sheila was introduced to the then U.S. Senator Barack Obama. She was selected by Senator Obama to serve on his selection commission on the U.S. Military Academies. She also served on Obama's presidential campaign as the coordinator of voters registration. The mayor has received several notable awards for her leadership in the community. Most recently, she received the Women of Excellence Award by the National Foundation of Women Legislators. Welcome, Mayor. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for that kind introduction. Thank you. I appreciate it. Next up, we have Mayor Henyard here, and she was sworn in as Mayor of Village of Dalton on May 8th, 2021. She is the first woman and the youngest person to ever be Mayor of Dalton. Mayor Henyard is also an entrepreneur and business owner. She owns and operates the popular business Good Burger <laughs> Restaurant. Mayor Henyard has won many awards, such as the Women of Distinction 2020 from the South Suburban News. Government Commitment Award, Dorothy Brown, New Millennial Women for Change, Community Activist of the Year, Chicago Honors, and Human Rights Defender 2020 Anti-Eviction Campaign. Welcome, Mayor. And then last but not least, we have Mayor Thompson, who became the first African-American woman mayor of the Village of Broadview in 2017. Beyond the Village of Broadview, Ms. Thompson has received, has served and serves on multiple boards and commissions in multiple regional organizations, including former president of the Proviso Municipal League, my favorite, Cook County Land Bank Board of Directors, Trenton College Foundation Board, Black Men United Board of Directors, just to name a few. Prior to becoming mayor, Ms. Thompson served as the executive director of West Humble Park Development Council and as executive director at Broadview Park District. Mayors, thank you for your commitment to your communities and for being with us today. It is truly an honor of mine. So let's start with our discussion. I just want to kick it off first, and I'd love for each of you to take a minute to just tell me about your background. What about you in the public service? We can, we can just kick it off in the same order that we did the bios. So Mayor Kern, if you want to get us started. Well, great. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, but my family migrated to the Chicago area. So I grew up on the south side of Chicago in the 34th Ward. My family, for the most part, have always been involved in political activities. And, you know, that was part of my environment there. Worked a number of years for People's Gas and basically did things on the side, you know. So getting into politics was just a as a community activist, you just want to migrate into doing something more. I worked for others' campaign, and so finally worked on my own. And you know, here I am. So that's pretty much me. We are happy about your path. Glad you're right here. Uh, what about you, Mayor? I basically started getting into politics due to the fact of a tree on my block. I was the president of my <laughs> black club party. Right. Yes. And I That's advocated to get a tree cut down, going to the board meetings. And I was like, oh, they listened to me? <laughs> so it was actually kind of cool. So once I did that and I just got the energy to run for it, I ran for office. They did knock me off the ballot the first time. Then I ran two years later and I won. So, of course, nice. Good Burger uh, helped me to uh, be known in the community because I was pulling up my food truck with my ceiling missing. 
was giving out cookies and Food good burgers. Gets everyone. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's just a little background of mine. Graduated from our Morris University um, with a bachelor's, and I've been known for just public service. I help people left or right, regardless of whatever the day or the season is. I just got a heart for the people. So I was coined the people's trustee. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. Come on around this. That's good. <laughs> what about you, Mayor Thompson? Hello, everyone, and uh, my fellow colleagues. So I got into public service. I volunteered my time at the Broadview Park District tutoring kids. And when I had my own daughter and I got into the system, they didn't have programs that I thought was conducive to new moms like myself. Mm. And so I know one thing that changes anything is policy. And so I got engaged and I ran for the park commissioner. So I became a park commissioner because I wanted to see more programs and initiatives for all ages. And the rest is really just history. So I've been engaged in this space for the last 20 years. Oh, my God. Well, I love it. And I just, you don't know how excited I am about the land bank plug there. That's <laughs> really good ad for me. But both of you or all of you spoke about a little bit about your history and, and sort of what got you started. And I know that you guys have been doing this for some time now. But what are some of the pressing issues that either, you know, started in your communities that you know you, you ran on or either that are facing you know that you're facing now and how has the pandemic affected that engagement with your communities and we can go in the same order that we that we did mayor mayor Kern, if you want to kick us off well if you know anything about the southland as a whole we are faced with our own challenges in regards to how we can go about creating economic development when i came in in 2017 I was faced and baptized and and what could go wrong with retail, with stores closing all around me. So with me, one of the situations that we have is that I'm very close to Will County and uh, some of us are close to Indiana. And we're continually fighting for economic power in that uh, arena. So it's, it's very difficult, but during the pandemic, we had already started five active projects which was a benefit to this community itself. Three of them have been completed and therefore we didn't maybe suffer as bad as some other communities because we had already got the ball rolling because we were already faced with these uh, challenges. So I know that uh, more, you know, the other mayors will probably talk about the challenges of economic development, which is extremely uh, a, a big concern. And what we've done here in the village of Matteson with staff and a, a great board is that we've stepped in front of that by maybe uh, making sure that we think outside the box. We're not just looking at retail and we're looking at e-commerce with now Amazon Mm -hmm. coming now with Sam's Club uh, being a part of this community and doing some of those things. During the pandemic, we had six hotels. Each of them suffered with losing more than half of their sales revenue. So that was a big issue there. But my major concern and the thing that I'm most proud of is that we had a community that was safe and healthy for the most part. And that was the focus. We can focus on economic development and that's extremely important, but during the midst of a pandemic is making sure that your residents are safe. Oh, yeah, I love that. Well, I was I was born in Will County, so yeah. love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're you're absolutely right, especially thinking about the resource allotment when you start talking about that South Suburban area in comparison to like that Chicago area where it's it's oh, a yes. lot different. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you, Mayor Henry? Sure. The number one issue we have over here in my community is dealing with crime. As I ran for mayor, I vowed that I will bring more officers to 
the city, which I have done that. We hired five uh, new police officers and two commanders uh, last week. Um, our first week, we hit the ground running. We did boots on the ground. So we went and we had initiative of going to door knock, making the community one with the police once again. As you know, nationwide, people are divided as relates to police. So I want them to understand that you do need the police. Um, until you have to dial 911, yeah, we can say everything under the sun about why we don't need them, why we should cut their budget, but we truly, truly need them. So we got a lot of great intel. Um, I encourage other people to do the same, um, have them at the doors, forget riding the cars because you can't miss stuff riding in the vehicle and you don't get the opportunity to talk to the resident. They like to just feel that you are listening, that they are being heard. So that was great for me. And my second major issue is uh, our vacancies. We have a lot of vacant property here in town. A lot of times people either lose their home to foreclosure or they just walk away from it. And um, due to the pandemic, uh, we've been getting a lot of squatters. So now we're mm -hmm. trying to get that under control. I have created a housing program to basically buy out a block. You can buy your house next door for $5,000 and move your child or loved one into that home. Those properties consist of cosmetic. So that's like flooring, paint, something that I know a resident can afford. And then um, on the other end, the ones that need the most work, that's got a whole family of raccoons living in it, or got holes in the roof, uh, or need a teardown. Those are going for the investors. So I'm selling those for a dollar free. But the way that's structured is you have to sell the property. You cannot rent the property. Right now, we're looking for home ownership. We want you to come to our town and we want you to live um, in a house. And we have to teach people, unfortunately, how to live in a home. Issues we're having, mm -hmm. uh, people are barbecuing on the front lawns, putting a bouncy house on the front lawns. They got the swimming pools on the front lawns. So that's issues that we're, we're having and we're trying to educate people that you got a whole backyard back there. Please utilize it. So those are the things that we are fixing over here in Dallas. And with that being said, we have a big Stop the Violence March next week, June 26th here in Dalton. So if anybody is watching or listening, please, you all are welcome. We are united with all the communities. It's called Unity Amongst Communities. So I got all the South Side mayors joining uh, with our police. So come and talk to the police officers and come and meet your mayors. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. What about you, Mayor Thompson? So I'm going to start in the reverse as it relates to the pandemic. Uh, my primary focus was making sure that our community was informed and educated because the numbers, when you look at the numbers as the numbers was coming out in the beginning, they were huge. And they looked at it from a state level perspective or the county level. And so once we start getting more into the conversation and being on the task force for the Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus as it relates to COVID, I ask for certain numbers as it relates to our communities. Can they digest that by zip code so that we can actually articulate that to our community? So what we continue to do is just look at the numbers and keep the community informed. And how we did that, we did robocalls every week. Every week at the end of the week, I did a robocall to the entire community to let them know where we were with our numbers as it relates to those that tested positive or those that then became deceased. And so I was happy to see the numbers as it related. Everybody fell into compliance. And I don't know if you all know, but I, we always say that we're broadly strong because I do know that we are the strongest village in the state of Illinois. And I say that not cocky or uh, boasting or bragging, but I say that because we are a balanced community. So we have residential, commercial, and industrial. And that balances us. When we looked at the pandemics as it relates to sales tax and revenue coming in, we were very, 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 and I cannot express how blessed we were to sustain because so many communities were hurting 
just listening to Mayor Curran as it relates to the hospitality side of it and the revenue that was lost in that. And some of my colleagues in their respective towns, they were losing revenue because of the dynamics of the community. Most of them are heavily and fluctuated with restaurants. So that was a impact, a direct impact. But in the village of Broadview, because we have a large shopping center, we had Target stores, we have a Home Depot, we have a Aldi's. That sustained us. Yeah. That sustained mm. us. Yeah. And then on our manufacturing side in the industrial, because the manufacturers that we have, they are large food producers. And that sustained them because guess what? McDonald's was still selling, you know, even though restaurants was closed, but guess what? McDonald's, one of our biggest suppliers catered to all of the McDonald's. And so mm-hmm. guess what? They still selling barbecue sauce, sweet and sour sauce <laughs> and all of those things. So, you know, but that sustained our community. And that's why I know that we're strong. Now, when we look at economics and what that looked like in the black community, so we always get the last of the last, but I believe I'm the first of the first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we start putting initiatives in place as it aligns to equity. What does equity look like in the black community? The community that I, I serve under is under 8,000 residents. And what we are learning to do is we're learning how to recycle our own dollars within our own community. Last year, we was the first in the state of Illinois to pass Juneteenth as a paid holiday for municipal employees. And so this year it takes into to play. So on Friday, employees will have the day off, but we are planning a two-day event, Friday and Saturday. And what we did is we got our residents that have home-based businesses or that sell a service. They may sell jewelry or they may sell body shade butters or whatever they sell. But we are highlighting them in our events. We didn't go to the outside and say, you know, you sell this, we won't like you to have, no, we wanted to start at home because if we don't take care of home first, we, it's, it's not going to sustain. And one thing our residents do, they live here, they pay taxes here, they, they shop here. So why can't we highlight them to grow their business? They live next door to someone that probably don't even know they have this service. And so my whole thing is let's learn how to recycle our dollars. It starts one neighbor, one friend at a time within your own community. We don't have to go outside our community because as you know, in a black community, our dollars leave faster than any other community. Why is that? That's because we don't empower our own people to take those steps. We don't put them in position to be good business leaders. We don't put them in front of banks to show them how to fill out bank loan applications or have your business in compliance as it relates to the state or the local municipality. So. My whole thing is unite the community first, get them behind you as it relates to economic development and let them see the progress that's being made. Because if they're included in the decisions that's being made, what they're gonna become? Now we got renters that's turning into homeowners and they know how to keep a home. I never tell a homeowner that come to the village of Broadview, congratulations. I always say, welcome to home ownership. Because with home ownership becomes you got to repair that roof. Where the money going to come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know we deal with some flood zones in certain parts of in our communities. When your bus, your basement flood, guess what? That's home ownership. That's not yeah. on the municipality. So is it time consuming to educate your community? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's worth every thing to me to make sure that my community is informed, they know what the rules are, and they know what the expectations are, and they know that we are Broadview strong and we thrive in excellence in every aspect of our village. 
No, I love that. And thank you all for those detailed answers. I think that there's like this line of access conversation that equals mm-hmm. equity. Mm-hmm. And the broader conversation that we, you know, get to is, is like you said, Mayor Thompson, educating, you know, those in your community or making resources available, like Mayor Curran said and Mayor Henry. So I guess while we're on this topic of racial equity, a lot of you are all of you actually spoke about what you're doing in your communities and resources that you made available. We have an audience question from Dan, which is a question that in government, y'all know we get a lot, Um, especially from those outside of, you know, sort of the inner workings of politics that only see it from a community standpoint. It sometimes feels like the wheel isn't moving or what are y'all doing in the background? So the question from Dan is inheriting a city with a plethora of historical um, and complex issues that need solving. Do you feel as if you are managing a sinking ship or do you have hope that the issues are solvable? And if so, what will the matrix by which your administration will use to measure success? So whoever wants to take this question, feel free to kick it off. Well, I'm one of the individuals that said when I came in to the village of Fantasin, that I was baptized in what could go wrong with retail. <laughs> We've already changed that trajectory, and therefore I am extremely excited about the prospects of what will happen with uh, the village itself. Just like Mayor Thompson, I, you know, during this pandemic, we had a Menards and the Home Depot and all of those things did extremely well. When I took over here, I had already been a trustee and been on a board for eight years, so I knew what some of the challenges were. Right now, everyone's looking at how we can move more closely to e-commerce and the idea with Amazon opening up this fall in the village of Madison. That's going to hire 1,500 jobs right there. We have, you know, as I mentioned to you, five active projects, three of which have opened. Uh, Pete's Food Market, which is now one of the biggest grocery stores in the Southland and have generated 1.5 million in the first week that they came in. So I'm real excited about what happens uh, as we move forward because with not only the board, but with the village itself, residents are excited about the prospects of what's happening here in the village of Madison. It has been talked about in reference to the excitement. We have in a community that's about 23,000 strong, we are still building homes individuals want to live here. So excited about that prospect. We've changed how we do business here, not only with our police. Uh, I know that was one of the things that we talked about. Long before we talked about police reform, I had already started with making sure that they had body cameras and that our forms and everything that we were doing was updated. So we've already done those things. So we're excited about the prospects of what happens here in the village of Matteson. We're still bidding for our casino out here in the village of Matteson, and we're excited about it. We're excited that people know where we are and know what we're about and that we're on the map. So when people say, I mean, how do you not be excited about a community that you work hard to move forward? And with what I've seen in just the last four years of what I came in and where we are now, I'm excited about the possibilities of what it will be when I leave. So I love it. I feel fired up. I need to move on to Madison. I love this community and I, I think we have a lot to offer. 
you know, when I talk about the fact that some of the restaurants we did lose too in the midst of the pandemic, but in that, in that most of our restaurants thrived. You know, you got to realize that some of those restaurants had already determined that they were going to possibly close with uh, certain franchises. But for the most part, we've moved forward and we're real excited about the possibility of what will happen in the village of Matheson. You just have to tell me if Dusty's is still open. <laughs> Dusty's is still open. You got to come out to. Okay. You haven't heard like about the Sunday Bill after church. And, and, all, and, and Bocce's and all of these different restaurants yeah. that you can go to and, and enjoy. And Hidden Manor, which was on Best in Chicago. So you come out for the occasion and, and uh, the shrimp and grits. And I'll show you around. Come on out. Love it. Any of the other mayors want to comment on that question? Sure. So as it relates to historical and complex issues in the village of Broadview, I'm just happy to say that we haven't had any historical complex issues in Broadview. We're so small that I'm fortunate to serve in a community where we can get some good work done. So as it relates to how we manage to not have a seeking ship is, my whole platform is informing and educating the community, especially when it comes to hot topics. And so an example would be a couple of years ago, we had entertained increasing our water rates. And no one likes to talk about either taxes going up or mm-hmm. your water rates going up. But it was something that we had to address because in the former administration, they never addressed the issue. And in the Black community, we play politics too much when we know what's the right thing to do. So the right thing to do is to do the work. And the work is complicated and is challenging and it's hard. It's very hard. But what I did is I had nine town hall meetings surrounding water rate increase because I needed to educate the community on what that looked like because they don't know. They only looking at it from the mayor's level. And at the end of the day, whatever goes wrong, it does not matter. They come into the mayor. They don't want to talk to a department head. It falls on our shoulders. So if we don't take the time out to inform and educate our community on initiatives that's complicated and could be contentious, then that's when the sink, this the ship will sink because now it's a fire. So why not deal with bringing it up front and dealing with the elephant in the room? Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it has to be talked about. But you can mm-hmm. articulate that. I'm not the expert in a lot of these, these matters, but I have department heads that lead their operations. I entrust them on doing the operations. Yes, I oversee it, but I don't make decisions in the operational component of their day-to-day operations. That's their job. They yeah. are held accountable to get that information and make sure that they can articulate that to me so that I can speak to layman terms to a resident. Because at the end of the day, I live here. And my neighbors live next door to me and they live across the street from me. And I want to be able to articulate and explain it to them so that the ship, the, uh, the ship don't sink. So it's just talking about hard, complicated issues. When it came to Amazon coming to Broadview, because we have an Amazon coming to town too. And I, I'm excited about this because it's new for us. But I always mm-hmm. said Broadview is so small. So it's 14 towns within our township. And we're one of the smallest municipalities in our township. And I said, if one company took one risk on Broadview, it would change the dynamics of our community. Well, that company was Amazon. And in uh, April, we launched our environmental sustainability plan because what we don't talk about in the black community is how we are 
environmentally sustain ourselves. And that's a conversation that has to be had, but it's not on our platform, but it's on my yeah. platform. So even with Amazon coming into play, we've asked them to put in EV stations for electric vehicles because we know in the future, by 2035, research has already said that most people are gonna be driving electric vehicles. So why won't our municipality be in position to be able to accommodate that need? So they're gonna help us with that. We've gotten our business industrial partners engaged in solar conversations. We've changed our building codes to accommodate solar so that we can save residents money on electricity. And so in industrial, they're taking the lead, they are replacing roofs mm -hmm. on their commercial buildings and they implement solar panels. The school district is involved with this conversation. So the kids are getting in, engaged. And so the whole, the whole premise of all of this is equity equity in creating a workforce development for our community. We have to train our people on what that looks like and we have to make sure that they have the tools so that they can have some success. And then we getting ready to open up our senior housing. It's for, for us, we did a 72 unit senior housing development. And so that's gonna be opening this fall, giving those with seniors and those as veterans the opportunity to have housing. And then what came after that, we got another housing project that's coming online that had come up in 2021, a 16 unit housing facility. But, that, but what's so unique about this partnership is that it caters to just the veterans and then those children that's aging out of DCFS. So when they age out, they have nowhere to go. They don't have family. Where do they go and live? So this organization, they're gonna do all of the wraparound services to make sure that these young people have some success where they can get jobs, they have access to transportation and they have a safe place to live. So is it work? Oh yeah, it's a lot of work, but it, and it takes time. You know, it didn't happen overnight, but you have to have a vision and you have to have your community aligned with your vision so that you can execute the plan with your department heads. So that's how we manage and try to sustain what we got going on in Broadview. No, no, all of you have a, have a lot of good things going on, which I think leads me into my next question. And then I want to hop into some Juneteenth talk. I got a lot of great things planned for Saturday. So let me know if y'all got anything going on. But I think, you know, first of all, us all being on a panel at one time is a lot of firsts, right? Like we talk about this and usually it looks very different or it had looked very different before this time. So while we're talking about May 1st, I think that Zach from the audience and myself, you know, want to know what was something that they didn't tell you about being mayor that you, I know, right? It's like a ton of stuff. Um, they didn't tell you about being mayor that you were surprised to learn after being elected. And then I think a, a bounce back after that question is what do you, you know, hope to inspire or tell other young women like myself who aspired, you know, to, to join in leadership. Now, I'm not saying running for office, so don't <laughs> anybody look at that and say that I want to run for office, but I think leadership shows up in, you know, a facet of ways. And so what do, what do you guys have in mind? Besides showing up authentically, which I think each of you do all the time, which I appreciate. So um, how about we, how about we kick it off with you, Mayor Hayden? Sure. Well, thank you. But what they didn't tell you is it's 24 seven. <laughs> you get no day <laughs> off. Whenever I go into a restaurant in town, a grocery store, I'm literally in there for hours. I could have went in the store today and get my daughter some pull-ups and I was in there for an extra hour. So you have to like prepare for that now because everyone, when they see you, they want to tell you all about whatever their concerns or issues are. And the hardest thing about being a, a mayor for me 
is I'm a new mom, I'm a single parent, and I want to always encourage women that's watching, if you are going through those issues, never give up on your dreams. Please continue to go for it. If someone tells you to sit down, you go harder for that dream. You still can do it. I had a great support team around me, and that's how I was able to accomplish a lot of hurdles and a lot of things as I ran. I am proud to be the first female African-American mayor of Dalton. Half of the time, women are pushed to the back burner. Now we're front and center, we're leading. I just want to make sure that people just see us as a beacon of light and learn from us and learn from whatever decisions we make so that you know how to direct your town. I learned from both of these mayors here. I want to just throw a shout out to Amazon. Complete this trio right here. You know, I'm the only one that was on Amazon in town. I just want to throw that out there. Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. But I just want people to see us as hope and see us as, oh, if she can do it, I can do it too. I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements to um, communities, high schools, grammar schools, just to encourage them that it's never too late. I love it. You talk about the village. That is, it takes a village. And our set of issues are usually unique. They are unique to a lot of things that we face. And so it's not a blanket statement or a blanket rule book that you can just apply that'll fit fit all things. Uh, what about you, Mayor Kern? Well, there was a lot of things they didn't tell me, but uh, <laughs> as, as you mayors know, I was the first female mayor to be elected here in the village of Madison. And of course, they didn't tell me that individuals will underestimate you just because of the fact that you are female. But I want to say to you and, and everyone else that the, the best thing I got going for me is that people continue to underestimate me. So when they underestimate you, they're surprised at what you're able to do. And so I say that to any young woman or any woman thinking about running for office. I think the first thing I did for a number of years, for over 10 years, is helped others to get elected. You know, I worked with several individuals making sure that they got elected. I was a, a product of I Will, uh, Illinois Women's Institute for Leadership, a graduate class of, of 2005. And they taught me a lot about fundraising and how to, to help and, and work with, with others. So there's so many things that you can do. And there's so many things that you will never know until you step into the shoes of being the mayor. You know, you can have some days where you are truly unappreciated and truly the work you know that it's hard work and you're out there doing it 24-7. Of course, it's always time when you go to the post office or go to the grocery store to buy chicken and you're in there for an hour because that's a part of the job. Yes. So what we are doing is, is continuing to remember that my mother says she doesn't like politicians. She says, but not you, baby. <laughs> and so I try not to forget that I'm truly a public servant. And that's what uh, you, you get up every day and you have an opportunity to make a difference in others' lives. So with that being said, you know, it's a great job. You're listening to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University. I, I love that. And I, from what I, I took from that, people can only see you as far as they can see themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, I love that. That was good. You see me taking notes. <laughs> good. What about you, Mary Thompson? So the thing that they don't tell you about, uh, when you get a get elected as a mayor or the head of the town is 
that everything falls on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Well, no matter what, good or bad, <laughs> anybody does, whether it's from the police department, or fire department, public works, building, any decision that's made in the operational, it falls on you. And it's like you're responsible for everything and everybody. And sometimes I feel that's unfair to say, but I understand the role and the magnitude because people just want what they want. So I've learned mm-hmm. that, that people just want what they want, no matter what it is and however they got to go about doing to get it, they will do that to get that. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that I've been in the arena for so long that I kind of know, I never sat, I've never been a mayor and I've never been a trustee. I went from being just engaged in local stuff and in my job that I did outside of the village, it put me in a position to be connected to the political arena. And so I have that, that knowledge base, but to sit in the seat and to see it firsthand, even like with Mayor Henyer, when she talked about going to the grocery store and you know, spending time there, I can promise you it's gonna get easier and better once you figure it out. But nobody can tell you how to figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. And for me, I've said it publicly and I'll say it in this platform. I don't want yes people around me just because I'm the mayor. I don't. Because if you are a yes person, guess what? I'm not growing. And I want to grow as much as I possibly can because I'm still old enough to continue to still learn. So I'm open-minded yep. in that. So that's the thing that they don't teach you, you know, because the mayor seat has power. And you can yep. make things move good or you can make things move bad. But I'm glad everybody that's in my immediate circle, and I'm talking about my closest friends now, they keep me balanced, they keep me humble, and they check me when I'm wrong. And even when my department heads, when we have department head meetings, we don't all agree on issues and matters, but guess what? I don't want them to be yes people just because I can. I want them yep. to be yes people because it's the right thing to do for what's best for Broadview. And I'll always yes. leave from that. And so I've created um, interns for young people that want to shadow me and get engaged. So I have one student that's a seventh grader. He meets with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Matter of fact, and I don't know if Mayor Curran going to be at the meeting today, but matter of fact, he's coming to our land bank I'll meeting today. <laughs> You'll get to meet him today. So, but on the land bank board, you know, these are conversations that I want them to be engaged in because guess what? If we don't teach our own kids to get engaged on what's right with how politics look, guess what? It's going to always be contentious. It's always going to be problematic in certain communities. So I want to be the narrative to change the dynamics of what it looks like to be a good public servant. Because I never say that I'm a politician because I'm not. I'm elected by the people to serve the public. And that's what I want young people to know. As it relates to young girls, I'll give you guys a quick story. So my daughter, like I said, I've been doing this for the last 20 years. My daughter is now 22 years old. She's a, a senior in college. She, um, her, she's going to school, uh, education major, special education, and pre-law for special education law. And so she has a dual role. But guess what she did? In this last election, she decided to put her name in the hat to run for a library trustee because she said she wanted to inspire those that's in her age group to get engaged in the process. And out of the last election results, Broadview had the highest percentage of people voting in the last election in the mayoral election. That's significant and that's huge, but when we get our young people engaged and involved and they see what good work looks like, they don't mind doing the work. Mm -hmm. The thing is, we don't put them at the table to make decisions. So these two young individuals that I work with, 
I put them at the table to make decisions. And mm. guess what? I allowed those decisions to play out. One of them presides preside, over our board meetings. You know, it's just giving them the opportunity. And once they get the opportunity, we excite them. We give them hope because they know that we're missing it and that and we're paying attention to what their platform and their needs are because their generation is so different from us. But we got to give them an opportunity to inspire and give them hope. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I think that this is all good conversation, especially when we're talking about your background, being trailblazers for... Uh, a lot of things, especially things that you guys are engaged in now. Um, as we sort of wrap the, the conversation around, you know, how you got started public servant, if everybody could just give me one sentence um, from Ashley about what brings you the most joy um, of being a public servant, of being in the fishbowl. <laughs> so we'll start with you, Mayor Thompson. I love people. <laughs> That's the same. I do. What about you, Mayor Henry? The, the smile, the reaction I see on the face when I actually fix a problem. Yes, I love that. And what about you, Mayor Kern? All the people. Yes, it's always the people. That's, that's, I, I think that a lot of people don't realize that I don't, for the most part, and I think since, again, like I'll say it and I'll continue to say it, your uh, being an elected official is not the same as some of your counterparts mm -hmm. and if you will always face different and unique challenges that you know are set back so you guys are the strongest of the strongest which i, I truly appreciate <laughs> i want to hop into this juneteenth conversation real quick we know that juneteenth is coming up on on saturday and if everybody's been following the news twitter everything <laughs> is starting to become a thing now to celebrate juneteenth and to make it a holiday which is you know great but why, I guess, is it so important to our history that we celebrate this? And I'll, I'll make this a two-part question because I know that it's a, it's a deeper topic, but what does the delay in this now becoming a thing say about our process to freedom? And so whoever wants to kick it off, feel free to dive in. Okay, well, I go forward. <laughs> But the the whole thing is is that with the with everything we've gone through in this last year, I know that myself and and some of the others have been involved in marches and and things of that nature. Uh, as a matter of fact, last year in 2020, uh, one of the larger marches were, was here in the village of Mattis and traveling uh, through and across our Unity Bridge. And now I think what is, it has done for with the Juneteenth is that more people are are celebrating that because there's an interest in, in knowing about the past and realizing the past in order for us to move forward. So it's extremely important. I mean, before, you know, everyone thought of it as a, a big holiday. I used to do this with my children in reference to what is it and having them explain it. Now, this this holiday, I'll be celebrating with the Delta Sigma Theta will incorporate it will be in the village of Matheson at one of our parks and, and celebrating uh, Juneteenth. So, you know, this is an exciting time, but we can't forget why uh, this is much of a focus now. Uh, when George Floyd was killed last year and there was a big call for action last year, we should continue to call out that we need to continue to move us all forward. And until we can make those 
unbelievable changes that we have to do, not only in our community, not only with our police, but within ourselves, we will see similar things happening. So I look forward to a celebration of it. I look forward to, you know, talking about it some more, but what we really have to do is not forget the past so that we can have a better future. Yes, no, I appreciate that. What about you, Mayor Thompson? So for me with Juneteenth, I grew up with a background where my grandparents and my parents, we talked about black history. And I think what's missing in America is they kind of missed it with the civil rights in the last 50 years when it's not just black history, it's American history. Juneteenth is a part of American history. And we missed the opportunity to really connect that. And like Mayor Kernan said, when it came to the George Floyds and the Breonna Taylors last year, when do we stand up and start talking about what matters to black issues as it relates to race? And it's a complicated, it could be a contentious conversation and people are not open to it because I could just imagine being white in America. It didn't happen on my watch. I was born into it, but guess what? We was born into it too. These are our ancestors that we're all three of us, Mayor Kern and Mayor Hill are standing on our ancestors' shoulders and they expect greatness out of us because they planted the seeds during those trying times. So when you look at the dynamics of Juneteenth and when 89 years later, then we get Juneteenth. Galveston, Texas is the last union to abolish slavery. And so this is our opportunity to give the history and the facts on what took place as painful as it is. Uh As painful as it is. It's painful for us too. But guess what? We're such forgiving people that we just say, okay, let's not talk about it, brush it. No, we need to talk about it because guess what? If they can call us out our names, or they can keep us from being powerful. Look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, 10, 100 years later, this was a thriving black community. What are they afraid of? We just wanna do our time here. Even 60 Minutes just had a special on Africatown in Alabama, where they brought slaves into this community and then they burnt the ship. That's criminal. That is criminal. And we gave free labor to America and we can't even get recognized for it. So I hope that the Juneteenth don't take away from reparations Mm. and give us the due respect that should be given. I hope that we do not allow this celebratory event take advantage of what's really at the table. Yeah, We have to keep pressing on just like we pressed on through those marches just like we pressed on to get Juneteenth the holiday. I'm happy that Senator Lightfoot took the lead on making sure that Juneteenth was a state holiday. I'm happy that Governor Pritzker is gonna put the ink to the paper to make that history for us. I'm glad that Congress is talking about this. And as the National Black Caucus local elected official regional director for our state, I'm glad that we're talking about it at a national level. That, you know, the things that they asked me to put, you know, what did I want to put in place to see it as it relates to Congress passing this as a federal holiday. And like I said, it's all races that need to be informed and educated on the history. It has to start at the school level. So they should put that in the history books and not, you know, walk around, just talk about civil rights. That's where they kept it at. And if you didn't learn black history at home, you all you learned is about this block of time. Yeah. Let's go back to 1863. Let's go back some years and bring us up to current. 
and go through the timeline of the pain that Blacks have suffered in this country. And to this day, we still suffering. We got too many guns on the street. Where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? They plant things in our community to keep us in bondage. But we as leaders have to stand up to that and say, no more, no more, it ends on our watch. So I'm happy that these mayors are here with me and we have a connection through our alumni association, uh, Mayor Kernan and Mayor Henry. It's up to us to take the step to say no more in our community. We don't take, yeah. you know, we're not going through the back door to the back door. You cannot keep taking the bag and expect the same results. You got to just let that stuff go and just be a leader and serve with integrity and dignity. And when I leave this role, guess what? They're going to forget all about Katrina Thompson. <laughs> I'm not going to matter to anybody. But what I want my legacy to be, what I hold to see, is that I serve with dignity, respect, and integrity, and transparency, period. <laughs> I don't know what I can really say after that. That was, I'm, I'm going to touch back. I have another question that I want to follow up on from the audience. But first, I want to get Mayor in your, your, your take on it. Sure. Um, what I love about what's going on today is that everyone is taking a stance as it relates to what they believe in. So everything is coming mm -hmm. to the forefront as it relates to laws and um, holidays. Yesterday was the first day that um, he made it a federal holiday. And I love that. But I still want us to continue those conversations in the schools, in the churches, and talk about what's going on in the world. I remember growing up, when I went to school, we prayed. They took prayer out of schools. So it's a lot of things that we need that we need to fight for again. So I, I'm bound to everybody today. I will still move as one in my community with my school board, library board, 205, 148, and 149. I want us to stand strong and fight for what's right and get everything rolling once again to put the kids back where they need to be. They've been out of school for over a year and we have to educate. And the best educators are the parents, the teachers, the priests, the preachers, everybody. But it takes a village to raise a child. So I, I stand strong with anybody that's moving in the right direction as it stands for, I don't want to say black power, but. <laughs> black power. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, they say you ain't political correct. I get in trouble. Right but, black uh, power. Right, but we move. I'm okay, black okay, and I'm proud. Okay, man. So I'm going to be, I'm going to back up and say, um, I stand proud. <laughs> with my community and um tomorrow no is it tomorrow tomorrow friday saturday my park district is celebrating juneteenth so residents or anyone that's watching please join us come out it starts at 11 o'clock and we do have free food on so thank you. i might be there okay that's i love free food free and food, free and food. <laughs> free and food. Yeah. no i love it thank you so much and i I want to circle back to this just this one time because I think this is a topic that while we're on the topic of U.S. history and Juneteenth that we often don't hear about because people hear what they want to hear when it comes to the topic of policing increasing in your point Mayor Henyard or Mayor Thompson and Mayor Curran about keeping your community safe and so talk about differentiating defunding police and reallocating resources for police. I want to know, can we provide some clarity around that or what you guys are thinking or doing when it comes to police reform? So I would like to talk about that because I am huge on the policing component of it. 
as it relates to defunding the police, I'm not a fan of that, only because it's about accountability. So I think what needs to take place is we have to have laws in place that hold police officers accountable like we have in any other profession. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, in just being real upfront and transparent, it is the good old boy club. They look out for their own. And I can't be ignorant to the fact that they don't. And none of us in this platform should be ignorant to that, that component of it. But we have to hold them accountable because the when you look at the historical policing entity back in Europe, when it came to America, that was their way of policing people and holding them to a different standard. So they have these powers, right? And so we have to not take their powers away, but we have to hold them accountable so that they don't expect that nothing is going to happen. And I know Mayor Kernan can probably really relate to this when we start talking about the negotiations and the police and the demands. You know, some of them feel entitled because you are a police officer, you entitled to X, Y, Z. And when do the accountability become a part? So I am huge on community policing. I'm fortunate to have a police department that support my initiatives as it relates to how we look at policing in the community. We have body cams on every officer. We have dash cams in every vehicle. We have good policies in place as it relates to arrest and all of those type of different things that take place in the community. But what I brag the most about our police department is they community engaged. They have boots on the ground. If we've had a shooting in our town, me or the command staff or the the chief go out and we talk to every resident that it impacted on that block period i don't care how tired i am what's going on in my world but i want to know and i want people to know that they are safe in broadview no matter what and it takes a lot police officers don't just deal with law enforcement law enforcement is enforcing the law if we start taking that power away from them for enforcing the rules then that's going to become a problem. But if we put things in place that's best practices as it relates to law enforcement and holding them accountable, that should be embraced. But it get contentious because, like I said, some feel entitled. You know, with any job, you interview well, you test well, and you get into Performance is a different thing, yeah. But, but, but when we're talking about negotiations, and Mayor Kern can probably attest to this, if one get a raise, they all get a raise. Yep. Is that yep. fair and accountable? Because when you go to any other department that's non-union, it don't work like that. Just be fair and accountable. I wish we had a bunch of time to continue on this conversation. Okay. Mayor Curran and Mayor Hanyard, do you guys have any final thoughts on that? Before I ask you guys to reshare your final thoughts. So Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on, on what uh, Mayor Thompson said. That is true. Uh, a lot of uh, the, the, the whole name of calling it defunding has caused a bad name altogether. None of us, none of us, I believe, would want to not have policing in our community because it's definitely necessary, but it's also necessary to make changes and change has to happen. I'm I'm happy to say that in in the village of Matheson, body cameras were done long before it was, you know, more or less required and dash cameras and things of that nature. We went about uh, making sure that we hired and and did more minority hiring. I'm lucky because prior to being the trustee or being a mayor, I was on the Fire and Police Commission for 10 years. I went and was the first African-American female to be head of, for the state of Illinois, 
the police and fire. So I understand some of the mechanism, but I do know that a lot needs to happen in order to make a change. So uh, we're working yeah. on that and we're going to continue to work on that. But I don't know what we can do in reference to, you know, pensions and, and reforming the cost and all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's gotten, it's been done a long time by a lot of good old boys and for a longer time than any of us have been, mm-hmm. been in the world. So yep. see what happens. I appreciate that. Thank you. And then Mayor sure. Um, I'll be quick. One thing that I did initiate here is I want um, the police to be accountable. And because of their attitude towards community and community towards them, I bought in um, an inspector. An inspector will inspect the police. Half of the time, you don't have anyone doing um, checking balancing as it relates to if it's a shooting, like how you had uh, Eric Garner, when that little issue that happened. Someone has to oversee when something wrong happens. So with that being said, that's just something that I'm doing. And then I just already stated that I hired on seven more officers because we need police to patrol the their beat, their area. But I want them to do more door knocking, more walking, talking to the community, as well as riding a bike and getting them big steps in. So little things like oh that. You got to work on weight loss too, but little things to keep them in shape so they can chase and catch someone if need be. But I, I concur with both mayors. They said it excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for this. Um, I know that there were a few events taking place. If you guys could take like 20 seconds to share the information for our audience. Uh, Mayor Thompson, or go ahead, Mayor Mayor Henier, if you want to oh, kick sure. it off. Well, okay, yeah, sure. Um, real quick, I got two events coming up. Uh, again, June 26th, which is next Saturday. It starts at 9 a.m. We will have registration at Food for Less parking lot. Um, 11 a.m. We will march and go down Sibley onto the bridge. We will link with several different mayors throughout the surrounding suburbs. I'm praying and hoping that everyone will attend. It's going to be epic. It's going to be something you don't want to hear about, but be about. So show up and be a part <laughs> of it. And secondly, I brought back the fireworks. We haven't had fireworks over a decade. It will be July 2nd, which is a Friday. So if anybody don't have anything going on in their town, please come and join us. It will be at Thorn Ridge High School on the football field. Uh, you can come bring a lawn chair. It will be food trucks for you to purchase food from. And then it will be a live band and a DJ as well. So those are the two things. If you want to reach me or want to be a part or volunteer, my cell number is 708 708- Two nine seven six eight five nine again seven zero eight two nine seven six eight five nine. Thank you for having me. Awesome, Mayor Thompson. First, I would like to say to my colleagues, uh, Mayor Curran and Mayor Henry, it's always good seeing you guys in a platform like this. Thank you, Roosevelt University, for bringing us all together to talk about these issues and topics that impact our communities. And I would love to see this platform take a place, maybe you know, with the issues, but just to have this type of platform to inform people on what it's like being a mayor and having these types of conversations. So June 18th is our Friday night fish fry. So it's like the traditional family reunion um, that we're going to have where you come, you get your t-shirt and stuff like that. And then uh, Sunday or Saturday, we'll have our big celebration, celebrating freedom. And so I always say I'm holding on to my freedom. Can't no one take it from me. I was born into it. That's true. We was born into this freedom and it's time for us to rise up and be leaders and not be afraid to lose the seat to do what's right. So I'm happy to be in this space. I'm excited about the timing that I'm in and whatever changes come out of this, I hope God keep my eyes open up open up long enough so that I can see it uh, manifest into existence on something that we've been fighting for for a very, very long time. So thank you for having me and God bless you all. Thank you, Mayor Thompson. And then Mayor, Mayor Curran. Thank you all. I was 
so pleased to be here with my fellow mayors. Thank you so much for being a part of what you do. I understand how difficult it could be and definitely how sometimes unrewarding, but what you're doing is great work and, and, and it's just good to actually have other mayors I can reach out to. The Village of Matheson will have our concert on the 3rd. We'll have it on the 3rd of July. That'll be a big concert that we have. And you can go to our website, the Matheson website, to see all about what will be there and who will be there. This weekend will be with my uh, Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. We'll be here in the village of Matheson over at Memorial Park, and uh, we'll be celebrating this Saturday. So to all of you, thank you, Roosevelt. Thank you, Shay. Thank you all for being a part of what we do here every day and getting information out. And everyone here, stay plugged to your power source, whether it be your church or your family, but stay connected and that'll yes. keep you grounded. Yes. Ladies, thank you so much for pouring out into me, into our audience, for being your authentic and true selves. I cannot wait to connect with you outside of this. Our time has come to a close. And Toya, I will turn it back over to you. Thank you, Shay. This is amazing. Thank you, mayors and Shay, for joining us to honor Juneteenth. You all are inspiring leaders who are making extraordinary local change. Your stories will undoubtedly encourage others to run for office, vote or commit to supporting positive change. Roosevelt is honored to have you as part of our community. To all of our guests and colleagues, thank you for being part of today's important discussion. On Juneteenth, we hope you have a day of celebration, reflection, and healing. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.